Hello everyone, welcome to Word with Dave Clay and Sam Clay. I'm still here, I'm back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, I'm glad you're here. It's good to have you back. It's good to be here. So, Sam. Yeah. Are you an individual who likes to wear things like slogans, messaging on their shirts? Slogans and messaging? I don't, not necessarily, I don't think. Yeah. I'm pretty uh, basic with my stuff. People, you know, people, people do that a lot. They not only uh, advertise. Uh, it's a statement. Yes, their Make favorite schools or, you know, in sports, it's their favorite team or. Well, I mean, you know, I guess if you think about it that way, I mean, I, I'll, I'll wear some sports teams, but that's about it, really. Well, I mean, you wear, you wear a lot of. Uh, I guess I could use, I could go ahead and, and use the brand name you wear a lot of nike uh, under yeah. armor yeah i guess so yeah yeah so why do you do that um i don't know i think i just like the it's comfortable to wear and it usually whatever they make ends up having their brand name on it and it's a comfortable shirt to wear or something so now, of course there's so much that. in the way of knockoffs anymore these days yeah. you really don't have to buy the brand and if you buy the brand, it's usually got a considerable additional cost associated with it. I think we call it markup. But uh, there must be something about identifying yourself with the logo, with Nike, Under Armour, what are some of the Champion, Russell, Puma, I mean, whatever it is. Stuff like that. I guess it's just kind of, I don't know, like an athletics thing or just like athlete stuff. I don't really know. Mm. I mean, well, and, and I'm sure there's a lot of social dimensions to yeah. that as well. Belonging, being a participant, identification yeah, as yeah. an athlete, what other athletes are wearing. I was also thinking with the messaging part on the shirt, uh, cat lovers, dog lovers, yeah, your favorite not, cause. It's not I mean, we walk around like almost walking billboards. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> We're just, advertising yeah, you're right, you're right. something yeah, all right. the time. Yeah. And I guess really it doesn't have to be your t-shirt uh, anymore these days. Anything on in the way of technology or on the web, it's iconic. And literally, so there's an icon yeah. Yeah. you can click on and you, you can identify them immediately. It does not even have to have any of the actual name attached to it. It's just so associated, the, the uh, image, the symbol, that it captures. They say a picture captures a thousand words. Well, an icon must be a million, right? Yeah. Or at least there must be, depending on how popular you might be, there may be a million followers. So again, we love to go to our, one of our favorite resources, which is Psychology Today. Our favorite. We're still in June of 2018. <laughs> Haven't got the new one in yet. Just a few years back. Hasn't, but Hasn't come in yet. But there's a lot of good articles, and I'm sure that the information is still pretty sound. The Doppelganger Bias is an article that was written by Abigail Fagan. Uh, a familiar face might influence whether we trust a stranger. Do you know what doppelganger is? Um, isn't it just something or someone that looks exactly like the real thing but isn't? <laughs> well, it's a it's, fake. It, it is purportedly, it's and I, don't, I mean, I should have researched this possibly. I didn't think it was important enough. I think most people probably know what a doppelganger is. I believe that's German. But what that means is somewhere in the universe there's somebody else that looks very, very familiar, maybe even like you. And uh, with that, then, uh, it's sort of like this oddity. Well, maybe there's two of you out there, Sam, and you've just never met. 
That'd be crazy. It would be crazy. And depending on who you are, it may either be good or it could be bad. It could be bad. The doppelganger, doppelganger bias, a familiar face might influence whether we trust a stranger. It makes sense that your prior knowledge of a person, whether he has been kind to you or cheated you, determines how you act toward that person in the future. But research suggests that one person's track record may also influence how you treat people who merely look like him. In studies led by Brown University neuroscientist Oriel Feldman Hall, participants played a money-sharing game with several male partners whose headshots were shown on screen. Although players were led to believe they were dealing with real people, the partners were virtual. As the study participants played, they discovered that these partners were very trustworthy, somewhat trustworthy, or not reliable at all. Afterward, participants selected from among new faces for another round of play. Unbeknownst to them, the headshots had been digitally morphed to range in their resemblance to those of the original partners. The more a new partner looked like one who had been trustworthy, the more likely he was to be chosen. And the more he resembled an untrustworthy partner, the more he was rejected. If somebody elicits a template in your brain that says, this is an X type of person, Feldman Hall explains, that's an easy way to categorize that individual quickly and efficiently, and sometimes detrimentally. It's unclear how far this tendency goes. Researchers familiar with the study speculate that others, other shared identifiers such as names or professions might also steer our judgments. Again, Abigail Fagan, the doppelganger bias, a familiar face, might influence whether we trust a stranger. I feel like after hearing you read that, if you can, if your brain is so just like stuck on just the idea of or if you previously have like a notion of a certain thing that you think is correct such as if you look at a picture of someone in your brain where you have previous experience past experiences of someone similar to that being uh they could be they could have a have done something good for you or something bad for you it'll influence something your next like perception of someone even if they're a totally different person that makes all the sense in the world you know how I like to kind of measure everything by yeah, a common sense. sense or within a common sense standard or dimension. Because, you know, if you've lied to me, cheated me, stolen from me, or on the other hand, if you've been kind and considerate and polite, I probably want to remember you. And probably there's a reinforcing value, reinforcement, as with schedules of reinforcement, there's a value that gets attached to my remembering you because it's a reward. If I remember you, if some, you do something nice, I remember you, then I'm attracted to you again, or if I see you, or someone who looks like you, then my brain, my body, my biology, my physiology, my psychology tells me I should try you first. Yeah. Because as a, like based on the similar experience. My experience with you has experience. been otherwise good. Can you see where that might relate to this idea of a doppelganger? Yeah, yeah. Just kind of that idea of just the similar, just if you saw something like that, like positively influence you, you're probably going to choose them first. Or with like for a doppelganger, for example, as I was saying at the beginning of 
are speaking together today. Um, if you kind of like, so you've never seen someone, but they look a lot like someone you've seen before that was had a positive influence, they're probably going to dictate or influence you to choose them or think positively of them. Now, in psychology... Oh, get out of my mouth. <laughs> I'm going to try it again. Now, in psychologies... Psychologies, 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 which is the you know it's, I'm coining a word. It's like the language of psychology. Uh, we call those archetypes. Young, with a J, <laughs> came up with archetypes back in the day, even as with the origins of psychology, a contemporary of Sigmund Freud, Carl Jung. Jung. He was also German. He, I think, or Swiss. I think. These European names are a bit hard. Well, to but I'm just trying to make that further yeah, yeah. association with the doppelganger, since yes. this whole podcast is probably going to be about that idea that there's all sorts of similarities out there. And our brain is sort of wired therein, as we've best described it, or as most completely we could describe in the time we have today on the podcast, to recognize that. But now, whether that's true or not, he thought there was only a select few. I don't remember the exact number of archetypes, but everybody sort of in that archetype was a lot alike. It's sort of like the zodiac signs. And I know nothing. No, I don't know anything. I just know there'd be a couple of problems. Other than what I am, right? A lot of people were paying attention. Yeah, but it's got that same idea that somehow it reflects personality, and with that, a lot of people identify themselves. But you could do that by gender. You could do that again by occupation, profession, as the article referenced. You could do that as you would do that as an athlete by wearing certain brand of sportswear, uniform, whatever. Yeah. So, so this idea, though, of archetypes, doppelgangers, though that's a little bit probably less credible, probably in a scientific realm, although <laughs> there's some people out there that would prefer doppelgangers over archetypes, there's probably the possibility, though, that there is a select number of human personalities, more or less, and everybody falls into one or the other, which really means that at some point you will have seen them all and done it all. <laughs> so to speak, been there, done that, with these certain personalities, and probably are going to develop, if you live long enough, a certain prejudice. Now, most of us would say, that's bad, right? We should judge people by their individual, unique personalities. So here's my question. Do you think it possible, not only that there might be another Sam out there, but that you might fall into a more general category that sort of captures, in some percentage, a certain number in terms of the population, and that not only are there is there this possibility of another one of you, but there may be multiple ones of you who might physically look like you, who might act like you, talk like you, may have personality, good, again, to the bad, like you. I feel like, I'm going to answer the second thing you said first, or ask me first. I feel like uh, kind of with the brand things we were talking about with Nike earlier, you get a lot of people that like have, that like wear Nike, and from that like, you kind of group them into one like big, just like group of people. Okay, these people wear Nike, and they so they obviously are fine with the brand. And then you kind of go from that, okay, so who wears Nike likes, let's say basketball. Oh, you get people that like basketball. Okay, I like basketball too, so we're in common too. Then you go from that as people, and then you can just get deeper and deeper and deeper until you can find someone really similar to you, just based off like a large group of people. James Bond. 
Sure. <laughs> and, I always thought James Bond was so cool. Okay. And that, that in of itself probably uh, establishes sure for, people, yeah, for our podcast people. listeners why I picked James Bond. Uh, but I wanted to be like James Bond. I emulated James Bond. I thought he was so cool. He never got flustered. He never got frustrated. Uh, obviously, he was physically fit. He got to play with all these neat tech gadgets. He drove these really great cars, you know, and he just traveled the world. So all those things were really appealing besides the fact he got shot at a lot and <laughs> yeah that wasn't so appealing so, yeah he was a, like almost dies there was a bit of adventure mixed in with that too yeah, he's so if i aspire to be james bond is that normal i think it is normal because i'm sure there's a lot of other people that aspire to be james bond too and like i was saying you can group them all in together and find someone super similar to you just by just from your interests. Name an athlete you admire. Um, an athlete I admire. Mm-hmm. Hmm, let me think about this. Um, Larry Bird. Okay. Would you want then to be on the basketball court like Larry Bird? Oh, a hundred percent. Why? Uh, his athletic abilities are quite. They are quite impressive and the abilities he possesses with a basketball are quite impressive as well so <laughs> i don't know that you could pull off all of the larry bird no, thing i, I have to grow our, our, our listeners would have to appreciate this since they can't see you okay I, yeah i'm not i don't think you'll ever become larry bird no, i'm not a uh, six seven and I'm not, wasn't born in... But I think what you're tapping into, though, is why social influencers have so much power. Is that somewhere there is a fine line between wanting to be all alike and wanting to be unique and different. And then what you get back into is this not only doppelganger effect, you get into this notion of why would we want to then somehow remove the individuality or the uniqueness of every person... Oddly enough, people put that on their shirt, too. Uh, They want to be unique. They go out and talk about being unique, but everybody's got the shirt. Yeah, the the crazy thing to me is there seems like a lot of people that want to be like, they say, I want to be unique. I want to be different. I want to be my own person. I just want to be this. I want to be that. But then you find so many people that are just like you. So you're not really like you're a unique group, but you're not like specifically unique yourself. I mean, everyone's different. Not everyone's the same person, but... So that would confuse me further. If everybody wore Under Armour and everyone wore Nike, unless I watched them play basketball or uh, run a a marathon or catch a football. Or catch a football, I wouldn't know. Well, I guess I could. I mean, (laughs) you can probably look at some people and say, "Uh -uh." (laughs) uh-uh, you can wear that, but that really isn't who you are. But, you know, for the majority of the people who are fairly well physically fit, health-wise, physically endowed, have some physical capability, uh, who are within the the mean, right, the average. You might look at it and say, do you play basketball? It's like me and tall people. Tall guys especially. I guess it could be girls, but I'm mostly talking to guys about basketball. Uh, Did you play basketball? How tall are you? 6'4", 6'5". I bet you play Uh, basketball. You play basketball, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, none of them have. A good bit of them haven't. Uh, I don't know how, what odds there are, percentages there yeah, are that play or not. Study. That'd be a good study to look at. But, it is the thing that I think this article's capturing. 
is it seems like an efficient thing to do. It seems like it would be ideal if all of us could be more alike, especially if we would identify what we see to be virtuous. We identify what we'd see to be desirous. But the oddity in all of that is most of the social influencers get to where they are because they're different. I think they're odd. Yeah, they're that. peculiar. And I'm not saying that in a derogative sort no, of way. They're no, just it's... not average in some significant way. Well, it's like it's kind of like like basketball players. They're just like not. They're just they're naturally gifted with their physical physique and abilities. That they're just they're different. And there's nothing wrong. Like we're not saying that in a derogatory term whatsoever. We're just saying they're just like taller. Like obviously, Larry Bird is six seven, and I'm maybe six foot on a good day. So, but there's nothing wrong with no, you there's nothing wrong with that. channeling just, Larry Bird on the basketball court because no, it might actually contribute might to you yeah. feeling psychologically yeah. more confident. You know, you see somebody and you say, well, I'm like them, and you think about them, and you're shooting your shot, and you're, hey, I admit that looked like Larry Bird. It's psychological. I feel good. <laughs> and it adds to your swagger, I, I think is the word that's used. I do think this doppelganger effect, probably the article, and again, as you said, additional research, additional study, might be wise to take into account that socialization, everybody has to go through that. Which basically means they have to understand what it is to belong and to be part of something before they can then begin to differentiate themselves. Otherwise, if they're just so different from the start, they really don't get much in the way of traction. Now you can say, that's a bizarre whatever. That's an odd whatever. But my guess is that you have to have at least enough individuals who identify with you in some positive way. And then in your unique sort of dimension, want to try that on to see if they like it as much for themselves as they seem to like it in you before they would ever want you, <laughs> allow you to influence them. So it is this kind of odd balance between the two. But at the same time, we're filtering all this through some psychological mechanisms, combined experience, some intuitive dimensions where there's experience, it's empirical, but there's also some thought, there's a lot of emotion that gets mixed in, and unless you're just going to go through life with such prominent bias that you would not be open to anything unique or different, <laughs> a meat and potatoes, used to call it a meat potatoes sort of guy, somebody who just eats the same thing every day. They like that, great for them. Who does the same thing every day. Unless you're going to do that, be that type of person, uh, you're probably at some point along the way going to have to experiment. And anytime you experiment, you're going to get into the weeds a bit. Do you know what I mean by that? Expand on that, would you, if you don't, if you don't mind. <laughs> you get off the path. Yes, you get off your... your path you're you, set on, you, you set yourself on. You take a, a, a scenic De route. Detour. You, yeah, you do a detour. And you know <laughs> you know what it's like to do a detour. Oh, it's it's not it's not the greatest thing in the world. It's not the most pleasant thing in the world. So, it can be, though. It so, can be. So maybe some of that is good. Maybe some of that is bad. Uh, I think that there are some stereotypes, and, and to the extent that any stereotype probably has some dimension of truth to it, uh, there are probably some things advisable. 
Don't walk up to a person who has a gun pointed at you. I mean, that's probably a good... I know that sounds stereotypical. That's incredibly biased. Don't go to a riot, right? Or you're going to get shot or run the risk of getting shot or clubbed or knocked in the head with whatever. Frozen water bottles or bricks or rocks or whatever. Don't go to a... NFL game uh, in the stands where people they sell beer and expect not to get it spilled on you, right? Yeah. Because there's going to be somebody who's no, going to happens. be a little bit sloppy. It just happens. Yes, it just happens. But those are kind of things that you can think of stereotypically. Uh, investments are the same thing financially. We tend to learn what is a conservative versus a too liberal sort of perspective on that. But whether it's the winner is the one who's conservative or the one that is incredibly liberal who would then take all the risks and chances, I think it's a combination of both. So really, the bottom line is anything that otherwise would prejudice you, even if it's for the sake of efficacy, outside of just survival, life or death kind of circumstances, uh, again, don't drive 100 miles an hour in a downtown street, right? Somebody's going to pull out in front of you. Yeah. But you might drive 100 miles an hour, although it is illegal and we do not endorse no, that we or do encourage not endorse that, that in not, any way, shape, or form. Do not drive 100 miles an hour when it is On not the interstate ever. with not another car in sight, you probably are less likely to have an adverse consequence. Still don't do it. Yes, because Still somewhere along the line, that. you might gain some sense of false confidence or bravado. And then it may just all go downhill. For and you me. never know. I mean, at any moment, a deer could jump out on the road and you not see it coming, and there you go. Yeah, and then that stuff happens. It's unfortunate. It does happen. Nonetheless, I think the article has a lot of credibility because at least gives us some cause to think. But I think the ultimate answer is really to not want to be like everybody else, so much so that you lose your identity, to realize that some of this negotiation navigating life, life decisions, what you're good at, what makes you unique, what otherwise would then hold you out as somebody that is going to be so unique, so different, you're the only one that could do it. And usually there's a reward for that. Except when it comes to taking out the trash. <laughs> That's not trash. <laughs> taking out the trash. At home. No. But if you get what I'm saying, being unique is rewarded in our society. We see that as creativity. And I don't know if it's just based on culture or society. Creative people are adaptive, more adaptive. But you have to find the balance. And it's sort of like being part of and being separate from. Joined with, socially, a group, and yet maintaining some individuality. There's always a balance in it. But the ability to see it objectively and to make objective decisions, to really go for the facts, to not get so caught up in the bias, the prejudice, what you want it to be, maybe even what you've learned it to be or your experience kind of tells you that it is, we should probably always be empirical and somewhat deductive in our hypothetical deductive, in our reasoning, in our logic, in the way that we assess and navigate the world. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think just thinking about that way and just trying to reason with things whenever you're trying to just so you don't get stuck on that detour, which not all detours are bad. Sometimes they're great. Sometimes you end up on a nice a nice oceanside drive. But I think if you can use that, just the reasoning of something and thinking that, oh, it'll be okay, it's not always, it's not always bad. 
So I usually give you three shots on the outside. If you miss all three of them, I'm not going to guard you. No. <laughs> I'm going to wait till you make one. It's that reasoning. Even if you look like Larry Bird. It's that reasoning. Because you might just be an imposter or a poser. But if you make that first shot, I might still give you another one out there. But if you make two of them, I'm going to be on you. Unless, of course, you can get by me real quick. And if you can, then. And if you have your Under Armour gear on, or you have your Nike shoes on, I may say, he's probably a little bit better than the guy who buys his shoes at Walmart. Or, or just lower cost. They're so serious about it that they got, they got all the gear. They must be a real good player. Isn't it impossible? I mean, it really is impossible not to hold some prejudices. I, I think the... Redemption in that. If there's anything redeeming in that, is that we should at least test them. Okay. I, feel like, I feel like there is something to say about that, though. I feel like, I feel like, the equipment part aspect of it. If you really need the equipment, if it if it's like technical or something, like a better like chainsaw, maybe that's something. But it can be a little hard not to put prejudice on just basketball shoes or something like that, or just something on somebody's shirt. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. You know, because they may ha- or a tattoo or whatever. You know, might look familiar. You might oh, that's pretty nice. I mean, I knew somebody who wore tattoos like that. But in the end, <laughs> they may be part of a gang, right? Uh, that otherwise you might not want to be part of or want to be a group uh, grouped with or a part of the group. So the doppelganger bias, a familiar face, might influence whether we trust a stranger. Well, obviously, it is going to have some influence. But I'd give you three shots <laughs> to find out whether you really can make it. Or I'm going to assess the situation just a bit more before I buy into it. And if I don't, then I still might get lucky. I mean, you may actually, you may be one of those archetypes we were mentioning earlier. And with that, then you might be of the nice persuasion, not the narcissistic, sociopathic, psychopathic sort of personality disorder, but you might be a healthy one. And in that way, you might automatically connect with me or I might automatically connect with you in such a way that it's a winner. But you could actually probably hide some of that bad stuff for a while, and it may take me a while before I really figure you out. And especially if I'm going to be investing something of some great value to me, why would I just take it at safe at face value? I'd want to go a little deeper. Yeah, good, good plan there. Staying, got to really look into the the thoughts and go deeper into the perspective of things. So just looking on the surface, I think you're. So how many shots does it take before you figure out whether the person's a poser or real? I a think, genuine article. I think your your three shot rule is oh rule of three is always a good good idea. It gives you enough sample size, but not doesn't take you too long. Good good indicator. Well, I hope that you appreciate by this point that our listeners are probably coming to some empirical sort of uh, I guess level of confidence and trust in you. Oh, I don't know about that. I don't know who would trust me. (laughs) They've heard heard you on several programs. They're probably getting some sense for what you're about, or at least if you have any sort of hidden agendas, by now they start to to come out. Although we don't wear that on our shirt, it would probably come out in what we say or don't say. And as much as, again, we are prejudiced or biased, it's just impossible not to be. When it comes to important topics, though, 
when it comes to really trying to uh, understand when to be objective and when it's okay to kind of rest in our familiar surroundings with people that know us and we know and we've come to trust. We do a pretty good job of trying to be empirical. We try to go to reliable sources uh, and try to read articles, uh, present material in a, in a sort of synthesized way that would not only be understandable, but would be applicable, that the listener would be able to apply. And why would they not trust us? They have all the reason to trust you. you You're not have, selling anything, are you, Sam? No, you have the credentials. Yes, but at the same time, we're talking about personality as much as we are credentials. So, we would want to hope that, and in that then, want to invite our listeners back for our next podcast, uh, where we'll continue to kind of take a look at things that we think are relevant. But, should our listeners uh, want to get a hold of us, we typically would uh, give the or post the uh, email address as well as the phone number and they're certainly welcome to reach out to us if they should have any questions about any of the content on the podcast uh, we'd want to encourage them to uh, reach out to us either by phone uh, email uh, etc but Sam Clay We've run out of time. We have, unfortunately. It's <laughs> so, that time already. So hopefully our listeners will come back and that we can do this again on our next podcast. Thanks.